Our first reading for today is from the 32nd chapter of 2nd Chronicles. After these things and these acts of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and intended to fight against Jerusalem, he planned with his officers and his mighty men to stop the water of the springs that were outside the city, and they helped him. A great many people were gathered, and they stopped all the springs and the brook that flowed through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? He set to work resolutely and built up all the wall that was broken down and raised towers upon it. And outside it he built another wall, and he strengthened the millow in the city of David. He also made weapons and shields in abundance, and he set combat commanders over the people, and gathered them together to him in the square at the gate of the city, and spoke encouragingly to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him. For they are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. After this, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, who was besieging Lachish with all his forces, sent his servants to Jerusalem, to Hezekiah, king of Judah, And to all the people of Judah who were in Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, On what are you trusting that you endure the siege in Jerusalem? Is not Hezekiah misleading you, that he may give you over to die by famine and by thirst when he tells you, The Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria? Has not this same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, Before one altar you shall worship, and on it you shall burn your sacrifices? Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands at all able to deliver their lands out of my hand? Who among all the gods of the nations that my fathers devoted to destruction was able to deliver his people from my hand, that your God should be able to deliver you from my hand? Now, therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or mislead you in this fashion, and do not believe him. For no god of any nation or kingdom has been able to deliver his people from my hand or from the hand of my father's. How much less will your God deliver you out of my hand? And his servants said still more against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. And he wrote letters to cast contempt on the Lord, the God of Israel, and to speak against him, saying, Like the gods of the nations of the lands who have not delivered their people from my hands, So the God of Hezekiah will not deliver his people from my hand. And they shouted it with a loud voice in the language of Judah to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten and terrify them in order that they might take the city. And they spoke of the God of Jerusalem 
as they spoke of the gods of the peoples of the earth, of which are the work of men's hands. Then Hezekiah the king and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, prayed because of this and cried to heaven. And the Lord sent an angel who cut off all the mighty warriors and commanders and officers in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame of face to his own land. And when he came into the house of his God, some of his own sons struck him down there with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all his enemies. And he provided for them on every side. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the first chapter of Colossians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, 
if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue our recitation of the Ten Commandments. What is the seventh commandment? You shall not steal. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not take our neighbor's money or possessions or get them in any dishonest way, but help him to improve and protect his possessions and income. Grace, mercy, and peace to all of you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Usually when we think of the the seventh commandment of not stealing, we we think of material things like a car or breaking into someone's house and and taking something, a a possession that doesn't belong to us. And that indeed is true. But there's also greater things that can be stolen from you and from all believers in Christ. And believe it or not, we actually see this in our Old Testament reading today from 2 Chronicles. And in this story, we're hearing about uh, good King Hezekiah and Isaiah the prophet and how in Jerusalem they were being invaded by the Assyrians. And the Assyrians came to do one thing, to steal. The very commandment we're talking about today. They wanted to take, steal the entire city of Jerusalem from God's people when God is the one who gave it to them. They wanted to steal all of the gold that they had in the city. They wanted to steal the very lives of the Jewish people. Steal them away from God. Because ultimately they were God's people. And God is the one who gave them life. But there's something even more twisted that the Assyrians wanted to steal. It wasn't just a city wasn't just gold, wasn't just lives. They even wanted to steal away the very faith that God's people had, that their God would save them. And this is what they said in our reading today when the king of Assyria spoke to them. He said this, Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands at all able to deliver their lands out of my hand? Who among all the gods of the nations of the lands? None of them have delivered their people from my hands. So the God of Hezekiah, the God of the Jews, will not deliver his people from my hand either. They actually translated that into the language of the Hebrews. And literally broadcast it up to the walls where the guards were. In the hopes that this would take away their hope, their faith. That God would deliver them. That they would begin to wonder and shake and be terrified that God had abandoned them. That's what the Assyrians were trying to steal. It's one thing to take a physical possession. It's another to try and steal faith away. And that's what they were going to do. God wasn't going to stand for it. 
The scripture passage we read in the Old Testament today said then that God sent an angel, one angel. And he wiped out the Assyrian army. And when their own king ducked his tail between his legs and went back home, his own sons killed him and ironically killed him in the temple of his false god. I guess his false god couldn't save him either, right? We have many enemies in this world. Some of them just want to steal physical things. Money, gold, jewelry. We put locks on the doors of our homes, right? We put locks on our windows. That's how we protect those things. But we are possessors of something much greater. And that is what God has done for us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who has given to us the greatest possession we will ever have. And that's faith in what he's done for us. In his crucifixion and in his resurrection from the dead. And the enemies that want to steal this away from you are much more devilish. They're the ones who come as false teachers. Who try to say that there's something else you need to do in order to have your sins forgiven. Rather than just trusting in what Christ has done for you. These false teachers are the ones who will try and steal away the hope, the promise of the resurrection of the dead and say, well, it's not yours. Or, yeah, maybe Jesus didn't really rise from the dead physically. Maybe it's just spiritual. No. He physically rose from the dead on Easter morning and he didn't just do it for himself. He did it for you. That promise, that hope, that faith in what he has done, that's yours. That is your greatest possession. In all of creation, it is for all of us. I don't care if someone breaks into my house and steals everything I have. No one is going to take my faith in what my God has done for me in his crucifixion and his resurrection. That is your greatest treasure. Remember what our Lord Jesus Christ himself said in Matthew chapter 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where are our treasures? They're in Christ. Our greatest treasure is what he has done for us. And that is your greatest possession. Moths can't chew it up. It's not going to rust. And truly, no one can take that away from you. It's yours. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.